Street, and all the people living there have been silenced by their own minds. Alrighty, good morning. This is UFM, and you are tuned into KDRT 95.7 Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. This is uh, Erica here, here with my lovely group mates. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, Cole, good morning. Hi, this is Steven. This is Emerald. Excellent. We are the gang is all back together this week. We are going to be talking about um, Davis, the Davis UC Davis campus today, with the wonderful Mandavi Center. If you guys don't know what the Mandavi Center is, it's a massive performing arts center that's situated on the UC Davis campus. Um, not restricted to students. That not restricted to just students. Anybody can go. They are committed to providing a space for people to um, get more like culturally enriched, provide a space for people to kind of expand their performing arts skills. It's also a great community space. The school does use it for classes as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a magnificent place. There's been a lot of like celebrities have gone there. I know that Alton Brown, famous chef, has gone there. He's done a couple shows. There's a lot of shows there. Um, but I believe, Cole, you got an interview, right? I do, I do. Like yeah, it? so uh, thanks for that little background, Erica. Um, yeah, so I had a chance to interview Don Roth, who is the executive director at the Mondavi Center and has been for 16 years. Um, and not only is he a super nice guy, but uh, he's also super enthusiastic about his line of work. So without further ado, I'm going to play you my interview with him. I'm Don Roth, the executive director at the Mondavi Center for the Performing Arts here at UC Davis. So my background is in the performing arts. I spent uh, you know, most of my adult life, I've worked with uh, music organizations, uh, a number of orchestras, including San Francisco Symphony and St. Louis Symphony, and uh, worked at the Aspen Music Festival as the president there. So, you know, my background is... Yeah, it's in music. It's it's uh, in uh, somewhat in education because uh, Aspen Music Festival is also a school. So um, yeah, so I, I came here with uh, you know I think a fairly substantial uh, background to do this work. So I saw that the your guys' twenty year anniversary season is starting in October. Yes. What can we expect or look forward to with that? So first of all, I think the first thing is that you know what we're looking at is really coming back. To something like a nor normal was before the pandemic, you know, regular concerts happening all the time, lots of people coming out, and and then you know when we put the season together, we wanted to really have it you know full of uh, of the kind of artists and figures that people were really interested in seeing. Some of them who have been here before, like Yo-Yo Ma or the Alvin Ailey Dance, American Dance Theater, and others like uh, the City of Birmingham Orchestra from 
from England, which has never been here, but it's really fantastic. Uh, some new jazz artists. You know, we've all, you know, our core, at our core, we've always done a lot of classical music, a lot of jazz, and a lot of modern dance. And then just, you know, lots of things from around the world, lots of Latinx artists. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's just, uh, we, 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 we went out of our way to make this a special season. I also noticed that you have Weird Al coming in. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, it is true. He's our opening concert. He's your opening concert? September, 20, September 24th. I'm going to have to yeah. be there. I've, I know a bunch of his songs, but I can't believe that you're getting him to come to Davis. That's That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were pretty excited about that, and and uh, it's yeah you should get a, t- a ticket soon because it's it's almost sold out. It's been on sale for a while, and and the ticket sales have been really strong for him. Okay, uh, just, I got one more question. This might be a hard one. Do you have a favorite memory or performance specifically in the the sixteen years you've been the executive director? Yeah, I actually do. I mean, I have a lot, obviously, uh-huh. but and it, and and it relates to something there we're going to do in this year. Back in our 10th anniversary, uh, we presented the American premiere of a, of a, 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 a ballet of Snow White, a modern, really a modern version of Snow White, done by this company called Ballet Preljacage. They're headquartered in, uh, in uh, France, and it, it's absolutely, I mean, I've seen it four times, twice here. It's one of the most amazing pieces of, of, of dance. It's just, it, it, it's, it's just incredibly beautiful. Uh, there's, there's aerial work in it. It's really like a fantasy come to life for adults. And so that, and we did a big gala for our 10th anniversary around that piece, and people just were blown away by it. And this year, we've got, Ballet Preljacage coming back with their crazy modern version of Swan Lake. And that's going to be our 20th anniversary gala. So um, I, I, I have to say, you know, we've done so many wonderful things, but that that having the opportunity to introduce American audiences to that Snow White for, for the very first time and to just have people, whether they think they like dance or not, when they came to it, they just said they'd never seen anything like it. It was wow. so amazing. Okay. And so Swan, the Swan Lake is kind of along those lines. And so, so I, I both have something to look back on and something to look forward to. All right. Thank you, Cole. That was, he said a lot of stuff. I had absolutely no idea that Weird Al was coming to Davis of all places. <laughs> we have to go. Oh, yeah, for absolutely. sure. How Do you know how much tickets are? Uh, I'm not really sure, um, to be honest with yeah. you, but probably the same as any other show there, hopefully. Probably, yeah. yeah. I don't, I know that students get one or two free concerts there. I'm not entirely sure, no, but that's, so. yeah, it's a great resource, because I've only had classes in that building, which biking out there sucked, because it's kind of like on the outskirts of campus, but the classes, it was nice to sit in there, comfy chairs, kind of. But the, the, the place is huge. Like, it's a, this absolutely massive, like, building. And, like, it's really beautiful. And I know they have a bunch of other... Like, I've only been in, like, the main auditorium hall. But I haven't... I know they might have some smaller, like, classrooms and studios. I don't know. Have you guys had any experiences with Mondavi? So, I've actually never been. Um, I had a chance, like, two years ago. I was going to take a class there. I just didn't want to do the walk from across the <laughs> campus so i did drop that it, it is far emerald what about you um 
I didn't have a class there, but I would walk by that building every day because I had a class at the Shrem Museum, which is right next to it. Yeah. And it did look big, even from the outside. And it looked really nice, really, um, really fancy it's quite, in it, some it's way. Very, I, does, I was like, this is part of campus? What? No way. Yeah, it does look very fancy. Yeah. Cole, have you? Um, I've actually never had a class there either. But, really? Um, I mean, only I've only been there for like freshman orientation, if you guys remember that. Yeah, I yeah, was in there too. That was, that was like my first glimpse at Davis, which was, was just pretty cool. But honestly, over there, it kind of feels like a, a different atmosphere. I don't know. It doesn't really feel like it's part of Davis. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. It, th- I think what Emerald was saying with being pretty fancy, I've, no, yeah. um, I feel like I sit there and I have to like sit with like my legs crossed and don't <laughs> touch anything. And I'm yeah, like, ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fancy. It's, I almost get, like, uh, Palace of Fine Arts vibes from, like, San Francisco. I don't know if you guys have ever oh, been there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, that's a little more bougie, but it's that's, a, yeah, that's it's uh, a more bougie. the Davis Palace <laughs> of Fine Arts. <laughs> Davis Palace of Fine Arts, yeah. I mean, you can even see the building from the highway. Like, if you're ever on, like, I-80 going out to, yeah. like, uh, towards San Francisco, you can see it on there. But, yeah, I mean, if any of you listeners out there, if you're ever interested in Mondavi, you want to know what that big building is off of I-80, it's Mondavi Center. You should totally go and check it out. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of concerts that get put there, and they're actually pretty great. But, yeah, we're about to wrap up here. This is UFM. Thanks for listening and for tuning in. Right now, thank you. Right now, I'd like to bring out a friend of mine who's been a friend of mine for probably longer than I've known anybody now that I come to think of it. He's been a good friend over the years. We've had our ups and downs, but we're still playing together, even still.
Morning, Davis. This is、uh, Yu Xuan Zhang. You are tuning to KDRT ninety five point seven, where the grassroots grows, and we are too hot for radio. We're doing、uh, K-pop culture today, and here's the interview. Oh,、uh, first we're gonna start with the history of like K-pop.、Uh, overall, like the Korean like culture wave or Hallyu was made through、uh, like South Korea in order to spread their culture overseas, and there's even a Branch within the government called the South Korean Ministry of Culture, Sports, and Tourism, which also does financially support、uh, endeavors with the K-pop industry.、Uh, the first artist to actually make a wave in the U.S. was the Kim Sisters with a cover track car- called "Charlie Brown" by the Coasters. And over the years, K-pop has like slowly been、uh, getting involved into the U.S. mainstream, but it wasn't until the early 2000s with groups such as H.O.T., G.O.D. TV, XQ, Super Junior, Big Bang, and the Wonder Girls, where they were actually able to have like a handful of artists in the、um, Billboard Top 100, and even through、uh, the use of、uh, through appearances on、uh, U.S. television talk shows such as Wendy Williams or The Late Show with David Letterman, and with the rise of K-pop right now on from to the from the 2010s and on,、uh, artists such as Psy, Blackpink, and BTS has Gained a huge popularity through this like quote unquote underground genre, and over time, when with the use of social media, it gained way more popularity, like way faster than compared to the groups back in like the 80s and 90s. And now it's not just about like K-pop, but also just Korean culture in general, spreading out to food and、uh, such things such as beauty and food. But it wouldn't have been possible without、uh, the rise of K-pop. And now we're going to be transitioning to an interview that our other member Kana has done. Yeah, so thank you for the,、um, the history. That was really cool. Now we are moving on to the interview that I asked my friend's、uh, friend, who's also into K-pop. Yeah, so here it is.、Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, my name is Sophia. Um, I've been listening to K-pop. It's Max here. Turn off the mic. Um, I got into K-pop. Like you'll always find a group that like fits you the best. 
Um, and in general, like, also just the, like, the personalities. I mean, whether or not, like, you know, why they have those personalities, I think their personalities are just, like, also really, um, like, enjoyable. Like, it's just, they're just the type of people that you want to support and you want to um, not only listen to them for, for their music, but also just, like, even their variety shows and their interviews. It's, like, very genuine, where it feels, like, really genuine. So, So now we're going to be talking about uh, the K-pop albums. So I brought some K-pop al albums of uh, my favorite K-pop um, artists. So yeah, um, you guys can just kind of take a look and then describe what it looks like. Or you guys can just open up and see what's interesting or what's different from like Western and any other countries like artists. I want to say this album right here, uh, NCT Dream, the third mini album. I like the box. It's very cute. Very small, very <laughs> yeah. compact. Also very sturdy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the Neo Zone, which is like a boy band. NCT 127. How many people are in there? Uh, it's like a football team. <laughs> 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 like 11, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And um, one that I brought, it's called Kino version, which is like um, like a tiny plastic box that you can connect to on, on your phone and then play it on your phone like a record. And it's really, it's like a different version of like album. And it's really pretty. Yeah. Can talk about a little bit of like girls group yeah. album. So I brought like the only like girl group album I have like in me and Davis, which is Itzy. And surprisingly enough, this is just like I feel like it's kind of like a standard like album that you would get from like a K-pop store, which would just be a photo book, photo cards, and some other extras that you might want. And then there's also just like different versions of like albums you could actually get. So it's kind of like a lottery, but also. It does. It does kind of get expensive if you want yeah. like a like specific version, and then especially with like the whole market with photo cards. Like, I didn't want to shell out like a <laughs> hundred fifty dollars on like some old K-pop group I really liked. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, what I really like about K-pop albums are that um, they really focus a lot on like the packaging. So like the the designs are really nice, and then the quality is really good. So like it's really worth paying, and then what we get for you know like the albums are really um, interesting. You get like pictures, you get photo cards, or you sometimes get like posters or like you know photo cards, um, and also like stickers. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I like the designing wise. Yeah, it's really I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not all too familiar with the K-pop albums, but it feels very premium or premium, very deluxe. Like a lot, a lot of values packed into these. Also, it seems to be it's more. It goes beyond the music. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah. It's more about like the or I guess collectibles maybe. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of stuff for fans to enjoy here. So it's honestly quite impressive compared to CDs I see here for like more, like popular Western bands. Which, in some cases, just a paper slipcover where yeah. you just can get scratched very easily. I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. And uh, I don't know much about K-pop, but from what I know, it's not only about the music, right? They also dance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When they sing. It's a lot of performances, like just um, some idols even like try on acting. So it's like you get, um, you know, you get to see like um, your favorite idols in like many different like you know places, just like not singing or dancing, but also like acting and or, or like a comedy shows. Yeah, so that's what I really like about K-pop now. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is too hot for radio and. Uh, it is very hot today, isn't it? <laughs>
All right, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, have a nice day, stay hydrated, and uh, thank you. Hello, this is uh, KD. You're tuned into KDRT 95.7, Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. And you're listening to Bro, the best radio on air. And I'm here with my group members, Bonnie, Roger, and Monse. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about the biking culture in Davis. So, would you like to start us off, Monse? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Antonio. Um, yeah, so as we know, almost everyone in Davis has, you know, used a bike to commute between home to, and school or work. And regardless of the weather conditions, we will always see bikers on the road. And as a matter of fact, Davis is the only city in the United States that features a high-wheeled bicycle in its city logo. Davis is also known to be the most um, bicycle-friendly town in the United States. Um so just some quick history about um, cycling in Davis. So the Davis City Council decided in 1967 to create a few short blocks of bicycle lanes. And as a result, Davis became the first city in the United States to install an official city bicycle lane. Um, the combined system of bicycle lanes and dedicated bike paths today reaches over 100 miles in a small town that is only about 11 square miles. And Davis has, beca has become a model for hundreds of U.S. cities because it's safe, integrated, and bicycle transportation network. So now I'm going to go ahead and pass it on to Roger, who has something quick to say. Okay, so yesterday I got a chance to interview someone at the U.S. Bicycling Hall of Fame. And the person do want to keep it anonymous. So, And here's the interview. and how they came to open here in Davis. Mm -hmm. So the museum originally was founded in New Jersey in Somerville, um, and it's the, it's the museum for the entire sport of bicycling for all of US. So um, that museum had to move over to Davis when some housing complications basically made it so that museum could no longer be in New Jersey. Um, it was originally founded in, I believe, 1986, but it moved here in 2009 
um, due to Davis's long history of uh, basically bicycling has been pretty significant here. So mm -hmm. uh, Davis was a really good option for the museum to move. Okay. So how, how has the city of Davis, especially the cycling community, interact with the museum? Uh, yeah, so we have um, a lot of different meetings and stuff that happen here. That's why this floor is so empty. So there are various like bike communities and stuff that like to come by. I a lot of times have people come in that are like, oh, my grandpa has a bike here. Or oh. because we have you know bikes as old as um, 1823, so uh, a lot of people feel really attached to the older bikes and like to kind of visit them as tokens of the past. And a lot of people have family members that have donated uh, historic bikes here. So um, it's pretty significant to anyone that is into the world of bicycling. Good. Uh, is there any like specific bike you want to talk about? Like a uh, special one? Yeah, um, let's see. Um, my favorite bikes are all downstairs in the museum. Uh, down there we have a lot more bikes, but um, one of my favorite ones that you, there's a picture of it up here is the bike uh, all the way on the left. Mm -hmm. um, so bikes used to be used to not have pedals. You would mm -hmm. have to just use your feet and walk along, you know, bring it to the top of a hill. And um, when bikes were first being invented, they were very, very scary for like horses and cattle. So this bike right here has a bell on the front of it, so it warns horses to come down, mm. wh like while it's you know moving past it, so the horses aren't totally spooked by it, because um, that was a big problem was horses like running into things and stuff because they were scared of bikes. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. So, um, do you believe that cycling is a part of what makes Davis unique? Uh, definitely, yeah. So, the first bike lanes actually uh, in the U.S. were in Davis. So it's definitely been like bike bicycling has definitely been a part of Davis's, you know, history and like, you know, the town for a long time. So um, I definitely think, uh, you know, a lot of really, really cool places have bikes and stuff. But um, Davis is definitely uh, known for for its biking, I guess, for uh, I'm not sure if that fully answers your question, but. OK, thank you for your time today. Mm -hmm. No problem. So first, introduce yourself and say hi to our radio station friends. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan. I'm a third-year computer science major at UC Davis. So do you have some special experience with cycling? Yes. Um, I learned cycling when I was five, six years old. My grandpa taught me how to, how to ride a bicycle. Um, when I first came to Davis, people told me that Davis is a city of bicycles. Everybody here has a bike. Therefore, I decided to purchase a bike because riding a bike protects the environment and keeps me healthy. However, I couldn't find any suitable bike at Davis. So I purchased a bike in Sacramento and rode it back. On my way back, my tire was broken, so I had to walk back to Davis. And it took me three hours. Wow, that's a special experience. And thank you for your interview. Yeah, thank you for the interviews, guys. Um, and then I, I thought I'd just talk a little bit about my experience with biking at Davis. Um, I actually didn't learn how to ride a bike until I think eight. I was 18. It was, I think it was just like the summer before I came out to Davis, I learned to ride a bike. So I didn't really know much about biking at the time. And then when I got here, I had just like a lousy Walmart bike 
that would get passed up all the time. Yeah. But um, I eventually went to uh, a used bike store. I forgot what it was called. The one in the U Mall. You guys know? Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I'm not sure the name of it, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I went there and I found a a Bianchi. It's it's a pretty like decent bike brand. Yeah. Um, it was about like two fifty, and you could you could like like I, I can test drive it yeah. in like the parking lot. So I, I like took it out, and it went so fast. Like I didn't know how to like <laughs> control a bike. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> and so I brought it back in. And he's like, oh, do you want it? I was like, uh, yeah, sure. So I bought it, not really under, knowing how to like control it, but uh, I had that bike for a while. Um, afterwards, um, I got better at riding a bike. It was like my favorite bike, and like during quarantine, I used to like bike around all of Davis because that was like my form of exercise. Afterwards, I started like really liking biking. I was like, okay, I get why people in Davis really enjoy biking. It's really fun just to like travel. All, all throughout like the city like I go to the green belt and stuff like that but sadly uh, this past summer I left it on my porch <laughs> parked I had two I had two bike locks on it I thought it was safe and I remember the day before um, I came back to Davis I was back at my house in Richmond I was thinking that'd be crazy it would be crazy if my bike got stolen I can't ever imagine it being stolen that would suck and then as I got back um, I was moving to a new apartment, and I didn't even realize it before until, like, I had packed a few things away already. I was like, wait, where's my bike? My roommates didn't even realize that it had been stolen probably oh, weeks before. I was like, oh, my God. And it felt like losing a child. <laughs> like, it's so, it was so, I was so sad that I lost it. And even if I ride other bikes uh, now, it just does not feel the same. It's not the same. It's so it's so so uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like since biking is such a big thing here, a lot of people invest a lot of money, you know, like into these bikes, but they also get stolen because they're so expensive. Because I remember my freshman year, um, the same thing. I would ride a bike all the time, and um, as I I got out of class, heading towards my bike. And it's not there. And it's like, it's crazy because it's like the middle of the day. It's like, how do you, how are they so quick and, you know, like slick about it? But yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, um, Antonio, you want to go ahead and end the segment? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but definitely biking is big in Davis. And um, definitely important part of Davis culture. And with that, um, I'd like to wrap up this segment. Uh, thank you for listening. We are Bro Best Radio on Air. Thank you. You make me, you make me speechless.
Hello, this is Raina. You're tuned into KDRT 95.7, Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. And I'm here with my lovely group. Can you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Victoria. Hi, I'm Vivian. Awesome. And so today our topic is food. And we're going to particularly be talking about our favorites from our respective cultures. And so I know y'all can't see me, but I'm black. And so growing up, my favorite food was actually gumbo. Um, and I didn't know this, but gumbo is derived from the word gumbo, which I know it sounds the same, but it's a different word, which translates to okra in many West African languages. And while the dish's roots are African, contributions from Native Americans and French, Spanish, and Caribbean people have all helped in the evolution that is gumbo today. And so basically, it's kind of like a maj podge of like different types of meats and seafoods, which I know sounds gross, but I promise it's really good. It has shrimp, chicken, tomatoes, sometimes sausage and okra. Yeah, it's awesome. I highly recommend it. And so I'm now gonna pass the mic over to Vivian, who's gonna play an interview that she took with an international student. Um, and they kind of um, talked about their favorite foods from back home. Hi, my name is Tracy Mang, and I came to the United States of America in fourth grade, and I attended middle school and high school here in the United States. So, so you've been here for a long time already, huh? Like, uh, almost 10 years, or like even more than 10 years? Yeah, I've been here for about 10 years. Okay, I see. So, um, we all know that, like, people come from different culture, and they'll all miss things and different stuff from their like home countries and um i just wondering if you got any dishes that you miss from china um one dish i miss the most from china is probably pecking duck okay yeah so um pecking duck is a traditional chinese dish that families usually eat when there's like holidays or big events and uh -huh. Like I mentioned before, I've been here for a couple of years now, and it's been a while since I've been back in China. And considering the fact that this is a traditional Chinese dish, it's really hard to make in other countries, or even seen. When you say it's for the traditional um, holidays, is it more like for Lunar New Year or like other small traditional holidays also counts? Um, I think it really depends on your family. So for my family, we usually eat it when we have small family gatherings or maybe holidays, any holidays in general, actually. I see. Yeah, because um, I'm also from China and then I've noticed that a lot of people go to those kind of restaurants that sell Peking duck. Uh, even when there's no um, like holidays or events, they uh, like when they want to eat it, they just go eat it. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Do you guys do that too? Yes, I, I definitely do that. Um, whenever I have the chance to go back to China, my family or my friends usually bring me to Peking Duck restaurants because they know I like to eat that. And it's really hard to find in the United States. And whenever I can find it, I would just order it whenever I can. Mm -mm, I see. Okay. <clears throat> when, you, when you get to my home, I can make it for you. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I've noticed that like people from different regions of China like kind of eat it in different ways. So, um, would you like to kind of tell us about how you eat it? Um, sure. Yeah. So, as I mentioned before already, so so the Peking duck was once served for royal families only, and royal families are usually located in Beijing, and that's where I'm from. So, in terms of how do you eat this? The duck is usually roasted in an oven for a while, and then the chef usually brings the duck to your table, cuts it into different sections, and each sections are meant to be eaten in different ways. So there are some parts that are like fattier than others, and you dip it in sugar, while other parts that has more meat are meant to be put in like almost like a Chinese pancake. It's kind of like a tortilla, but The Chinese version of that, and you would put the duck in the pancake, and then dip some sauce in that, and then put some vegetables like cucumbers and carrots and like that, and you roll it up and you eat it. I also know that、um, there's two different ways to roast the duck. I'm not quite sure how to say it, but the, there, there's one that's、um, drier, and the other one is like、um, you, you got more juice inside. But the skin is like less crispy when there is more juice inside. So, which version do you prefer? I really like sweet stuff, so I prefer it when it's crispier. Because, so for someone who really likes to eat sweet stuff like me, I prefer it when it's crispier because the skin of the duck is great for dipping in the sugar, and it's very flavorful and has a lot of layers. Huge shout out for Tracy for giving us that interview, and so now I'm gonna pass the mic over to Melissa, who's going to share her favorite dishes.、Um, hi, so、um, my parents are from Central America, specifically my mom's from Honduras, and my dad's from El Salvador. So we have a lot of like traditional Latin Hispanic foods.、Um, some of my favorites are some that I think are very distinct to both my parents' countries are tamales with. Green、um, plantain leaves.、Um, so usually the tamal, usually、um, Mexican traditional tamales are like white and like they're with corn leaves.、Um, but these turn out green and they have more of a like watery base type of texture. Oh wow! I've never had green tamales. Yeah, so good. <laughs> <laughs> they're really.、Um, my mom also adds like this green salsa, which is like I don't know. It, it has like just a bunch of green spices. So it's so green, but it's so good.、Um, there's also like.、Um, Like my dad, he makes yuca frita, which is cassava,、um, and it's just that. Like it's like chips, so that's like another thing that、um, it's really distinctive.、Um, we have a lot of different foods. Like there's so many.、Um, my mom makes torrejas, which are like、um, pancakes with like syrup and honey.、Um, we usually eat that during like Christmas time. That sounds so, like, like everything. <laughs> 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 Those are like the main things that my parents have made that are from our culture. I mean, there's so many more, but you know, this is like the, yeah, the sounds peak. sounds super good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what about you,、um, Victoria? <laughs> so when it comes to my favorite food. The hot pot is the first thing that pops off from my mind. I love it's hot pot. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so as a Chinese,、uh, especially the Sichuan native, I have been eating spicy food since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> Among those food, my favorite thing is hot pot, and the 
uh, I want to introduce the history of the hapao. So the origin of the hapao can be traced back to the Neolithic age. At that time, people did not have any like cooking skills, so they could just put all the edible food into the pot, which is the earliest hapao. Then in the Sichuan area, the the weather is kind of cold and wet, so people like to eat the hot red chili pepper to keep warm and dispel the cold. So as time passes, the eating habit is integrated into the hot pot. By now, the hot pot has become a favorite, one of the favorite eating habits of many people. Especially uh, in the cold winter, we can gather a group of people to eating hot pot together. Super informative. And now, last but not least, can you, Vivian, share what your favorite food is? Yeah, sure. My favorite food is actually called squirrel fish. Uh, it's kind of like you kind of cut the fish up into like finger-wide pieces, and then you fry it up so it looks like a squirrel, the squirrel tail. Mm -hmm. and, then <laughs> you, <laughs> and then you pour the sweet and sour um, sauce on there, so it actually tastes sweet and sour, but not that sweet. It's more like the sour and salty taste. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to have to try it sometime. So thanks for listening, everyone. We're the Daydreamers, and we'll be right back. Doggone sweet on me Daddy, you're the only one I see Si tu n'es pas cool, les paillotes s'enflammer Sur les rythmes cubains, les calypso Le samedi soir, on dansait à la bananerie Ouais, Bikin Mazuke Pimambo C'était le temps où la radio ne jouait que du tango Alors les jeunes s'arrachaient des premiers disques entiers Et l'histoire du zoo commençait Emmanuel Rose et Janéa Emmanuel Rose et Janéa Bokte Wek Imonye Ite Kavé Ditiola Bouma Rose et Janéa Monsieur Wowo Bichetineo Léopa, Léopa, Léopa Léopa, Léopa, Léopa quand même Monsieur Wowo Il y avait au fond chant musique, les ricots venus d'Afrique, les léopards de Martinique, les orchestres se défiaient, et le public se déchaînait. Um, hello, this is Nate. You're tuned in to KDRT 95.7 Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. This is KSRS, the Cool Smart Radio Students. I'm sure you guys are all very familiar with us. 
Uh, we could introduce ourselves, though, if we want. we got a lot of time today. Hello, I'm Hal Han. Hey, I'm Matt. How you guys doing today? All right, I'm Jerry. Me, personally, I'm doing well. Estoy bien. Uh, well, today we're going to be discussing the uh, science of s scam callers. I'm sure everyone's dealt with this. For me, personally, it's like a routinely call every single day about my student loans and just being harassed by what sounds like someone in a room filled with 30 people. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what they're trying to get out of me with that, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think everyone's dealt with this. Uh, Matt has an interview. What exactly did you bring today? Okay, I brought a few things. I'll, I'll set a little context. That's all right. Um, I, I get scam calls every, like every day, uh, a few a day. I know some yeah. people who don't get any scam well, you calls. We got faked out on Tuesday, right? Yeah, I mean, th there's just... Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. But I also I also get like I think with you know the advancements of I'm getting scam texts. Uh, I ha recently just got a text of uh, a person holding a wine glass and it said congratulations, <laughs> and I said thanks, and then they like tried to sign me up for something. I was just like congrats, just just blocked it, you know. But uh, you know it's funny every once in a while to mess with these people. But like, yeah. um, but this is like a serious thing. So I I got two things real quick. I I um. One is a scam call I got yesterday, which was just super interesting. So I just recorded it. It's a little strange. Uh, you won't hear really any talking because uh, they called me and then it went right to music. Okay, I'll, I'll play we'll this play music. that for a few seconds. And then I got a then I got a little story. And then all right, here we go. All right, that's that's. Uh, so they called you and just played music. Played that, and uh, I I don't want to play the whole thing, but that went on for around seven minutes. I was waiting for someone to say something. That would have been but awesome. But no one ever did. It was like calling me to put me on hold. Yeah. Um, um, you were just talking a few minutes ago about spam texts. That's something I completely forgot about mm -hmm. while we were prepping for this show. I would like to. Uh, on Snapchat, which is just like an app where you send oh. pictures to each other, I get added by like random girls all the time that have names <laughs> that are like uh, <laughs> Party Girl 673 yeah, or whatever, and it's just completely made up. And uh, I, I get texts sometimes that'll be like, that'll be like, hey, I'm lonely. What are you doing tonight? And then they auto respond. And then, uh, so you could literally say whatever you want, and they'll already be like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm in town. I meant to text someone else. Yeah, Do you want to uh, hang out? And then they ended up sending you very crude pictures of themselves. Yeah, watch so, out for those. Yeah, like, those like, are not no one's, real. No one's doing... Yep. Life um, is not that good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fall in the trap. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I did, I did want to interview this one uh, friend of mine, but they wanted to remain anonymous, uh, which I understand. But they, uh, they got a spam call recently and were... Uh, and, like, I don't, know, I don't know how to say this, but they're not stupid, you know? They, they're... Well, that's, a, that's a nice compliment. They're not stupid, and they're they're like they're smart, but they you know anyone could fall for one at in yep. some point at some. And it was a uh, it was a uh, call that sounded like it was from a sheriff's office about like an unpaid parking ticket that they needed to figure out real quick, and it was convincing enough that they were like, all right, let me figure it out. Uh, how do I do this? What's the best way? It wasn't automated. It was live. Uh, it was live. It was live. And he was like, uh, I don't know, like. 
the person was like, should I just give you credit card info? And they're like, no, no, that's dangerous. And I think that was kind of like a way of saying like, oh, we're legit. You know, we don't just take your credit they're card. They're not allowed to either. Yeah. Okay, that's something yeah, they yeah. cannot. I think that's like a huge problem now yeah. because every time I get a call, I'll be like, sure, here's my social security number. And they freak out and they go, yeah. I didn't ask for that. So or they're or my like, credit card number and they start getting upset. Yeah. They, they said like, you can come down to the station or it can meet closer. And they're like, okay, fine. They I guess. Rob you? Guess me closer. It's like, uh, how about Safeway? And I guess in the, at this moment, the person was already stressed about other things. And like, all right, Safeway, whatever. Oh. Went to Safeway and they got a text and said, buy a gift card and that'll be good <laughs> oh, enough. Oh, and that's, and they, they got to the point where they picked up the gift card and got in line. And then they're like, this doesn't make any sense. The police isn't going to take aren't going to take like a visa gift card yeah. like what what am i doing wait they and were going to buy a gift card and then give them the code for the gift card uh, that is insane i know just I know. for a parking ticket fortunately <laughs> it's it stopped right there and i think they were a little like frazzled that they felt like felt you know felt yeah. bad and were like why, why did i fall for that other stuff was going on you know but like it's just goes to, I, I do know one other person i don't know super well that lost like ten thousand dollars to a scammer on the sh- that person's more old but like the yeah. point is that these people are out there and uh keep it keep an eye out you my know? my grandma's gotten got before uh just yeah just stupid things you know mm-hmm. and there's always been those scams since like the early days of the internet they're like you're the millionth viewer to this site oh yeah the yeah. free free iphone yeah. 13 pro max <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I I think it's kind of fun. I like getting random calls and talking to these people. And oh, the one, the most common one I would uh, say is the uh, the car warranty one. Have you guys ever had that? Oh, I have yeah. lost all the time. Yeah, it's, like, it's expired. You need to call. You need to call back yeah. to us. Something yeah. like that. And then most important, like most interesting thing is I don't have a car when they when <laughs> yeah. they call me, you know, yeah. and they're like your 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 driving li- license needs to be like renewed or something, and I and I was like, oh, I don't even know how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my car's from 1997. I think the warranty's been out for a while now. I don't. Um, yeah, those ones. That is definitely probably the most common one I've dealt with personally. Yeah, I I uh, I used to get every once in a while calls from the same number from Fremont, California. Same guy, I think he forgets he calls me or something, telling me that uh, my computer is broken and that he can fix it from his location if I give him oh, that's my nice information. Yeah, he calls someone else I know too. Like, uh, And that guy was like really trying to get him to come to the house. Like, yeah. no, no, you gotta come here and fix it. Please, it is broken. <laughs> I'm I begging need your you, help. please. I, not, I don't have a lot of guests and I really need <laughs> someone to come fix this computer. But, uh, yeah, that's a good little scam. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, like, what do you say is wrong with? Oh, you you definitely have a virus. I know from this phone call, your computer has a virus, and I yeah, need to fix it. How did you know about that? I don't how know. Did you know I, don't about know. I need you to get me a GameStop gift card. That's the only way that <laughs> I can fix your computer. You need to go to the store. You need to go to the police and get their gift card system, and just uh, yeah, send it over, and we'll get your uh, computer fixed. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a crazy lifestyle. I, I don't know. I've. Who's you said you had someone scammed out of ten thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah. You but, knew who they were? Yes, uh, but they were like an elderly person and and really had not much knowledge about yeah you know what could be legit and what's not and that was a sad situation, um, but yeah yeah so these people are dangerous <laughs> and it might seem obvious to some people but it's not to everyone so keep an eye out for your friends you know. Um, well, maybe we'll go ahead and switch gears here. We're going to fill some time. I wanted to talk to you guys about the uh, 
Davis Film Festival that just happened, just uh, wrapped up yeah. on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, at least, did you go, Jerry? Uh, no, but I know Hao Han went there and he won something. Oh, Hao Han won something. Oh, Tell us about it, Brock. Uh, and that's it's, it's not a big deal though. It's just I uh, I made a film and and uh, it's experimental. So I want the best experimental. Yeah, for Davis Film Fest. That's what awesome. was it the film because uh how han screened a film for a class we're in together a film he made was it that film yeah that, that's the one that's the one what's it titled again um the red house okay yeah and it's about a uh, a blind guy who yeah. is remembering well color. i guess it's kind of it's experimental so it's kind of yeah. up in the air what it's about Some you can interpret interpret it how han yeah. went tuesday night and i went monday night so i think you know combined we got the knowledge of the, oh, the yeah, davis true. film festival there was some great great mm-hmm. animated stuff that like yeah. blew me away um, and so Steven Jin. Yeah, is yeah. there anything that stands out and you want to talk about it, maybe? I mean, well, I, I like the crowd. I mean, thank you to everyone who went to the Davis Film Festival. You know, it was like people behind me, like, freaked out when their friends film played. It was pretty fun to, to be in that room, you know? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite, maybe something that stuck out? Maybe one of the non-animated films? How ma- Wait, how many are screened, by the way? And this is at the Varsity... Yeah, in, uh, downtown Davis. I mean, okay, each film is like a max eight minutes, right? And they're mm-hmm. filming like two hours, so well, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of films. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like one night's an hour, the other night's an yeah. hour. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Tuesday night was the more popular night, probably because there were the awards and there were the, uh, you know, more screenings. I don't know how. How many awards are there? Um, there's, uh, there's, I think there's about ten or something. I, I kind of forgot, but there's a lot of people there. Um, at the very beginning, yeah, and um. People, I think, I believe most of them, they know, like, maybe some of their friends uh, have uh, movies to be projected on a screen or something. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I think Cheeto the Science Cat was one of the best documentaries I've seen all year. Um, it was pretty great to learn a lot about I've heard life. about that film. Yeah. Who made that, do you know? I, I do not know, unfortunately. unfortunately. There's some of those I wanted to see. I wish, is there a place we can go watch them? Do you know? Uh, Yushuan would know. He's a director. Yeah, Yushuan would know. We should get I, w- I would love to watch a Hao Han's Red House film. Uh, it's yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, is it? It's it's uh, it's on Vimeo, but it's not on, okay. it's on YouTube, though. All right, Vimeo. Yes. Check yeah, out the Vimeo. Red House Vimeo. by Hao Han. At the Red Barn, right? The Red House. Oh, <laughs> the red. Well, yeah, there is pretty a... Pretty much the same stuff, but... Yeah, pretty much the same I stuff. I thought there was a barn at the end. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yushuan! Yeah. We're going to ask Yushuan. He was the director of the film festival. Uh, if we can watch the films online, because I actually really do. I know some of the people uh, have posted their film submissions online uh, individually, but uh, we're not entirely sure where you can watch them at. Yeah, like I miss the film first because the timing is kind of weird. It's like, like 9.30 to 11, but like, yeah. I still really want to watch the film. I know, so it would be Monday. amazing if I know like what website or like where to go. Uh, Yuzhuan, I just got an update. He is going to upload the video today of the uh, film, fe- like the film festival films today, all of to them. a oh. YouTube channel. Oh no! Uh, oh, were they all just kind of yes. cut together into one? They giant are. File? I think they are. Oh, he's okay. he's going to put it somewhere. Uh, it you know, sucks. It's on a Monday and Tuesday. I know. I think it was the days they could get the the Varsity Theater. Yeah. Go support oh, the okay. Davis Varsity Theater too. I, I want to go. Know, yeah, they, I haven't been there either. They're I'm putting on this awesome student. event. <laughs> and thanks to all the the you know faculty that was able to put it together too. It was really yeah. really fun. Yeah. Have you seen any other films at the Varsity? Yeah, I saw 
the Nick Cage movie that came oh, out. Yeah, you know? yeah, they, yeah, they did like a, one, huh? yeah, a free yeah, pre-screening. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Jerry's amazing. there. Events, free event screening. Like, free. You, you don't even get that loud. It was that, cool. That much often, yeah. Before they were like, there was like security there, and they're like, "Do not take any pictures because this comes out in like three days." Yeah. And it's, it was it was kind of fun. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. shout out to the Varsity. Uh, I love old school movie theaters. I've been to the. Um, the Tower Theater, I saw the room there in Sacramento. Nice. Yeah, and everyone throws spoons and stuff. How <laughs> nice. crazy that is. So That's crazy. the first time I saw the room, actually, was there. It was really hot. <laughs> the yeah. AC is really bad. Oh. But uh, besides that, it was a good time. Well, if you want to support Davis Varsity, uh, the Everything Everywhere All at Once, we talked about it before. Tonight's the last night they're screening it. So oh, awesome. Awesome. Can, can make that. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. This has been uh, KSRS, the Cool Smart Radio Students. Uh, another successful week in the books. We're really proud of what we do here. We got two more weeks left. It's been a pleasure being with you guys. Uh, tune in to some really cheerful news coming up in the next hour. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. acoustic trio doing pinball wizard Uh so we're going out that way folks yes it is thanks for tuning in come back next week yeah it sounds so sweet on k-dirt have a good